Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Here, our number 877 I am the cleanup hitter. So, if other people have talked about issues that I talk about this evening, I wouldn't know because I can rarely listen to them seriously. I've got my own TV stuff, book writing, I'm prepping for my own show. So, I don't have a lot of time. Unless I'm in the car, I might pick it up if I'm not listening to music, that sort of thing. But am I the only host that takes phone calls? No, I don't mean I take a ton of phone calls. Well, I know Rush does, right? Sean. It's important to engage because it gives the audience an opportunity. Some days we have more calls than others, but you should at least, I would think, that's the nature of the beast. Isn't it, Mr. Producer? We've, we even have Richie V as my call screener. And he's a damn good one at that. You're damn right. So much going on. By now you know what Nancy Pelosi has done. You would think that the State of the Union, which has become a tradition, a president giving in person the State of the Union in front of a joint session of Congress, would be an area in which the fact of the State of the Union would not be turned into another political attack. But Nancy Pelosi is not a particularly bright person. In fact, I would suggest to you she's low IQ. Nancy Pelosi lives off the money that her husband earns. We've been through this. He subsidizes her, her campaigns, and all the rest. Nancy Pelosi is spoiled, and she's having a fit. And I suspect she sits around in the Speaker's office, in this majestic office, with her uh, top congressional lieutenant sitting around her, Stempy Hoyer and the others, every morning early where they try to figure out how to embarrass, undermine, and smear this president. And they probably thought, you know what? You know what? Since the government is shut down, quote-unquote, what we should do is humiliate the president. Since... DHS isn't fully funded, and other entities of the government aren't fully funded. We'll say the president should postpone the State of the Union. And our usual press contacts, like the entire group in the newsroom so-called of CNN, the entire group in the newsroom so-called of MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post, they'll all love it. They'll all go with it. And I've got the spin, she says. The spin is the government shut down. We don't have enough money for security, so let's not do this. And by the way, we can count on Jim Acosta 
and the other jekylls in the media to regurgitate what I put in my letter. That, you know, all the way up to Woodrow Wilson, the annual State of the Union message was delivered to Congress in writing. I think that was up to 100 years ago. And this way we'll also deny Trump his national forum to complain about what we, the Democrats in the House, are doing. We will deny him the national television stage that every president gets. Because he's Trump, you see. If we can't remove him today, we'll do everything we can up to removing him. Make him fight for every single thing that has been customary with every future president. You know, when I served in the Reagan administration, Tip O'Neill was Speaker of the House for many years. They didn't like each other. You know, people say, you know, they got along. They spoke. No, they spoke to each other. They didn't get along. Reagan couldn't stand Tip O'Neill and vice versa. And Reagan ran circles around Tip O'Neill, which was a lot of running because Tip O'Neill was a big man. But all that said, when you live in a civil society, there's certain things you don't touch, like the State of the Union. So now they want the President of the United States to beg them to allow the State of the Union. Now, the Secretary of DHS, she said, we are fully prepared, Kirsten Nielsen, to protect the Capitol building. Secret Service is fully prepared. So the Capitol Police, the Secrets, everyone's fully prepared but Nancy Pelosi. Again, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution belongs to you. The House of Representatives belongs to you. The office of the speaker, the furniture, the pencils, it all belongs to you. The State of the Union exists in our Constitution for the President to tell the Congress the State of the Union. But in telling Congress, he's telling us, because the representative of the people is supposed to represent us. What you're seeing now is a relative small cabal of radicals who represent the suburbs of Washington, D.C., in Stempy Hoyer, who represent Baltimore, in Elias Cummings, who represents San Francisco, obviously. What you're seeing is a relative small radical cabal, a handful of members of Congress, who are trying to run the country. Even though they didn't win the presidency, even though they didn't win the Senate, they have a 30-member majority in the House. That's it. Did the Republicans deny Obama the State of the Union forum? No. Well, the government wasn't shut down, but Obama did a lot of things that they didn't like. The fact that part of the government is shut down has nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this. Now, let me read you her letter. Now, I know she didn't write it because she's not literate enough to write it, let alone read it. Dear Mr. President, day to day, on January 3rd, it was my privilege as speaker to invite you to deliver the State of the Union address on January 29th. Constitution calls for the President to, from time to time, give to Congress information of the State of the Union. During the 19th century and up until the presidency of Woodrow Wilson, these annual State of the Union messages were delivered to Congress in writing. Since the start of modern budgeting in fiscal 1977, State of the Union address has never been delivered during a government shutdown. Isn't that clever the way she does it? But the State of the Union has been delivered during times of war, 
In September 2018, Secretary Nielsen designated State of the Union addresses as national special security events, recognizing the need for the full resources of the federal government to be brought to bear to ensure the security of these events. The extraordinary demands presented require weeks of detailed planning with dozens of agencies working together to prepare for the safety of all participants. Notice she didn't ask the Secretary of Treasury, which is the department in which the Secret Service is housed. Notice she didn't ask the Department of Homeland Security. She didn't ask any of them. The U.S. Secret Service was designated as the lead federal agency responsible for coordinating, planning, exercising, implementing security for national special security events by Public Law 106-554. December 19, 2000. However, both the U.S. Secret Service and the Department of Homeland Security have not been funded for 26 days now, with critical departments hamstrung by furloughs. Sadly, given the security concerns, and unless government reopens this week, I suggest that we work together to determine another suitable date after government is reopened for this address or for you to consider delivering your State of the Union address in writing to Congress on January 29th. Here's what the president should do, in my opinion. You should contact Mitch McConnell and tell him that the Vice President of the United States is the Senate pro tem of the United States under our Constitution. In other words, Vice President Pence is the President of the Senate. And that Pence and McConnell are to work out the plan for the President to give the State of the Union speech in the United States Senate. That's what he should do. He should bypass Nancy Pelosi. The only reason Nancy Pelosi offers the invitation is because they typically give the speech in the House of Representatives where there's enough room for the House members, the Senate members, the Supreme Court, the head of the military, ambassadors, and so forth and so on. So he should give the speech in the United States Senate. Enough room for the senators, enough room for the Republican House members who want to attend, the military and so forth. That's what he should do. And in that speech, he should tell the American people, the reason I'm giving this speech in the U.S. Senate is because Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats prevented me, your president, for the first time in American history from giving your State of the Union speech in your House of Representatives under the dome of your capital in your city of Washington, D.C. While Nancy Pelosi was in Puerto Rico, while Nancy Pelosi was in Hawaii, while we tried to work out a deal, nobody would respond and lay it out and make it clear that is, the Democrats are using Saul Linsky tactics, the tactics of the street in the 1960s, to try and bring down this elected government and obstruct even the ability of the President of the United States to exercise his constitutional authority, and that he'll have none of it. And that we are in a crossroads in this country. Either you believe in the rule of law or you don't. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and Chuck Schumer, among others, do not believe in the rule of law. 
They have nullified federal law when it comes to immigration law with sanctuary cities, undermining our ability to strengthen our border, despite the fact that I, as President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, who gets all this information, have told you, the American people, and these members of Congress over and over and over again, that we have a human and national security problem on our border, and I want to address it. They're holding this part of this government hostage. They're using the media to push their propaganda. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the State of the Union is strong with respect to what I can control, with respect to the powers that I can exercise, with respect to the areas that I have authority. But the State of the Union is a disaster when it comes to the leadership in the House of Representatives and what's being done to this country. The Constitution of the United States belongs to all the people. Nancy Pelosi said we couldn't secure this building. I'm here tonight. It's secure in the United States Senate. She says she's concerned about the federal employees who aren't receiving salaries. I've told her over and over again, send me an appropriations bill. I want to pay these people, but I want to secure the border. And she says, pay the people, but nothing for the border. That is intolerable when you're president of the United States and you get information day in and day out that says we need to secure the border. That would be no different than Nancy Pelosi saying, yeah, pay these employees, but I insist that you not have a strong military. She doesn't run the executive branch. She doesn't run the office of the presidency. She represents one party and one part of a bicameral Congress. She thinks that she's going to run everything and then takes responsibility for nothing. She controls the power of the purse. That's what it says in the Constitution, if she wants to cite the Constitution. But she will not use the power of the purse to protect the American people, to protect your children from drug runners, to protect the American people from kidnappers and rapists and murderers. No, we know all people who come into this country don't do those sort of things, but we don't know who all the people are who are coming into this country. And I'm telling you as President of the United States, who's in charge of the border, that we need the help of the United States Congress. And they refuse to provide it. They refuse. And now they have said, for the first time in American history, that a President of the United States may not speak to the nation about the state of the nation from the House of Representatives. This sets a precedent that they will regret. But here I am in the Capitol building, your Capitol building, in the United States Senate, speaking to you, because I will not be censored by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House. They will not come between me and the American people. They will not be able to silence those of us who believe in a strong America, a secure America, America with borders, who believe in law and order and want to protect the people of this country. Mark Levin. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now, let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth. 
by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Now we have Beto O'Rourke. Excuse me, it's Beto. Excuse me, it's Robert Francis O'Rourke. From now on, I will call him Backbenchers. Listen, Beto O'Dork. Do you like that one, Mr. Producer? Beto O'Dork, a.k.a. Robert Francis O'Dork. What kind of a fool takes a selfie of a teeth cleaning? I don't even like to see my own teeth cleaning, do you? I close my eyes. I mean, you have to be the biggest narcissist on the face of the earth. What next? He gets a colonoscopy? Is he going to take a selfie of that too? Don't get me started. So the Washington Compost interviews this guy. And you probably heard about this. And he has a problem with the Constitution. It's old, you see, and we're doing all kinds of new stuff. And he says, quote, unquote, we want sweeping change. Sweeping change. Like a five-year-old. Sweeping change. Do you know why the Constitution exists? To prevent sweeping change. Morons like this. National Review wrote it up. Most of the Washington Post interview on Beto O'Rourke is a non-prescription sleep aid. O'Rourke thinks he may uh, have something to say about immigration and the border. But apart from opposing the wall, he isn't too sure what. He's an idiot, to be perfectly honest with you. Goes on for 36 paragraphs. It's paragraph 35 that catches our attention. What is it? Well... The Constitution. What do you think of the Constitution? It just might not be up to speed. Now, I want to read you part of this, and then I want to address Robert Francis O'Dork. These people are running for president. I mean, isn't it shocking to you? You got this idiot as Speaker of the House, a complete buffoon. You've got this idiot, O'Dork. We were surrounded by idiots, and they all want to be president of the United States or speaker or something like that. It's shocking. I'll be right back. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. 
Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Our daily shout-out to Los Angeles and KRLA. Wonderful station there. Wonderful station there. Great program director. Great GM. They know what they're doing. By the way, don't forget, we have a free podcast. Did I say free? I said free. You can go to marklevinshow.com, our great website, and download it there. You can download the Mark Levin app. That's the best way to do it. Go to Apple iTunes again. Enter Mark Levin Show. Google Music is one of the better ones. Mark Levin Show will pop up. So you can take me everywhere. You can listen to me anytime. Let's say you hear the first hour and you say, you know, I, I, I can't help it. I, I, you know, there's things I got to do, like uh, throw darts at a picture of Nancy Pelosi. I, uh, that's what I do every night. I can't help it. Okay. Then you can pick the show up on our podcast. So there's many ways to listen to the show. Our wonderful satellite friends, XM Sirius, Sirius XM. Depends if you have uh, dyslexia or not. Um, Also, uh, you can listen to us. uh, Really, a lot of people, if you put like a hat on your head, some people tell me they can hear me. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Like Like an aluminum pot, if you put it on your head, I'm told you can hear me. I don't know this. I don't know this. All right. Beto O'Dork. Very important man. He's accomplished so much. Can anybody tell me anything? No, of course not. It takes a moment for it to sink in that he isn't sure that the Constitution still works. Quote, I'm hesitant to answer this because I really feel like it deserves its due. And I don't want to give you a, well, actually, just selfishly, I don't want a soundbite of it reported. But yeah, uh, too late, doofus. I think that's the question of the moment. Does this still work? Can an empire like ours, we don't have an empire, you jerk. We have a republic. You may not be aware of this. We have men and women in uniform overseas defending a republic. Not an empire, you creep. I can't stand this guy. There's nobody. It's not even a pretty face as I'm concerned. With the teeth. With the teeth. I bet he's at the dentist all the time. They probably charge him. Far more for a teeth cleaning than the average person with average teeth. Well, we got a big job here, Mr. Beto. Oh, dork. It's a big job. Your teeth are rather large. 
you know, usually we have Nancy Pelosi here. She takes the teeth out of her mouth. We put it in a cup, little Pepto-Bismol, and off it goes. It, or Alka-Seltzer cleans them up. We put them back in her head, and she's ready to go. <laughs> but Beto, cleaning your teeth like washing windows. Anyway, I'm hesitant to answer because I really feel like it deserves its due. And I don't want to give you, actually, just selfishly, I don't want a soundbite of it reported. But, yeah, I think that's the question of the moment. Does this still work? That's our Constitution. Can an empire like ours, with military presence in over 170 countries around the globe, with trading relationships and security arrangements in every continent, can it still be managed by the same principles that set down that were set down 230 plus years ago. Yeah. They, by the way, jerk, they weren't set down 230 years ago. Our declaration and our governing document, the Constitution, are a reflection of what we call Western Enlightenment. Western Enlightenment. And I love these jerks, these Democrats who are elected to Congress or were, complaining about the Constitution. They got elected because of our Constitution. It set up these very institutions in which they want to hold office in order to destroy the Constitution. Now, I want you to understand something. Even though this sounds outrageous, this is exactly the progressive mandate. I say it over and over and over again. I've written about it over and over and over again. Progressivism and constitutionalism cannot work together. They're incompatible, which is why Woodrow Wilson... Franklin Roosevelt, Barack Obama, just to name three, have done everything they can to usurp it. You cannot have centralized power and separation of powers. You cannot have a judicial tyranny and separation of powers. You cannot have a massive administrative state and separation of powers. And you cannot have any of these things without limited government. The Democrats, Beto O'Dork and all the rest, never talk about limited government. They never talk about individual liberty. They never talk about individualism. They never talk about liberty. And of course, they never talk about capitalism. Now, I have a question for you. I have a question for the Democratic Socialists out there. Notice they have to turn the word into a hybrid. We're Democratic Socialists. We're not the usual Socialists. We're democratic socialists. What the hell does that mean? Socialism isn't about democracy. It's about government control of stuff. Especially you, the individual. When you abandon the Constitution, you abandon the philosophy under the Constitution. Unalienable rights. But you don't understand. We're democratic socialists. Here's what I understand. I'm looking at an article today from Reuters. Venezuela children left behind as parents flee to find work abroad. These are people fighting for their very survival, and they have no way out. The democratic socialists who run Venezuela, a.k.a. Marxists, have taken the wealth out of the country, have destroyed the government, It's a relatively small cabal that pays off higher levels of the military. They're killing people, they're torturing people, they're raping people. 
It's a socialist utopia. Everybody's equal. Poor, starving, and dying. But it's okay. Everybody's equal. Except, of course, the masterminds. The masterminds. They always seem to make out, don't they? Unless they're fighting and killing each other. So I have a question for Beto O'Dork. I have a question for Alexandria Ocasio-Ocasio. I have a question for Bernie Sanders. I have a question for all of them. How will the Democratic Socialist Republic of America that you seek to create, how can you ensure us that it won't turn into Venezuela? Well, Scandinavia, Scandinavia. Stop panting over Scandinavian countries. That is a ridiculous example. First of all, several of them are moving more and more out of socialism, socialism toward capitalism. You really need to study this. Moreover, who wants to be like them? They're not, they're, that's not where they invent new drugs. That's not where they invent new things. That's not where the defense of the free world comes from. We do all that stuff. Most of the rest of the world, including Scandinavia, they live off of us. Let's be blunt. Where would they be without America? Nowhere. Guess where they were before there was an America? Nowhere. So we're not going to be like a Scandinavian country, like Vermont. These so-called democratic socialists, ladies and gentlemen, trash our Constitution all the time. See what Nancy Pelosi's doing. See what they're doing to our immigration laws. See what they do constantly when they run the presidency and and issue legislation by fiat. So, the rule by democratic socialists is the rule of the police state. They wrap themselves in populism in order to get in power. But once in power, the people have no say. None. We've talked about this. Rousseauism, Hegelism, Marxism... They really believe that the only way the individual can be truly fulfilled in their full completeness is through the community, a.k.a. the state, a.k.a. government. We cannot have selfish individuals with free will going off on their own, making all kinds of money, making all kinds of decisions. That money doesn't belong to them. It belongs to us, right? Mayor DeCamio. Can't have free people doing things freely. We got plans, baby. We got plans. We want to reorganize society. We want to rejigger the human personality. We got all kinds of plans. And people who stand in the way, who want to undermine our utopia, well, they're going to have to be punished one way or another. Especially successful people. You know why, Mr. Producer? Because successful people demonstrate how to be successful. In the current society. And we can't have that. Everybody has to be poor. And by the way, this is part of my problem with the propagandists on the so-called populist right. They sound like Bernie Sanders. If you listen to them, America sounds like what? Like what? Bangladesh. Nobody can get a job. Nobody can work. Everybody's taking our jobs. Now, there's some of that. Don't get me wrong. 
But then they have better ideas. You know what? The government should control what prices we pay for pharmaceuticals. Excuse me? Which government? Which department? Which agency? Give me their names. Who are these people? The government should make sure there's a strong middle class. I, I hear now even our buddy Mike Lee's written a piece of national. We need a fusion of populism and conservative. No, we don't. If you understand the Constitution, they don't believe in populism. Little d democracy. They believe in republicanism. Republicanism. Government's supposed to be small. Government causes more unemployment than employment. Government causes more poverty than less poverty. Government causes economic dislocation. Not the private sector. Well, this free market. You leave it all to the free market and capitalism. You know what that means, folks? It's left to you. So these so-called populists on the right and the populists on the left don't trust the American people. They talk about the American people. You know, it's not fair. They do this all the time. And while they condemn the entrenched bureaucracy, while they condemn the elites, they're elites themselves. They're elites themselves. Populism is antithetical to constitutionalism. Again, the example I use all the time. Your rights are unalienable, given to you by God, not by your neighbors, not by a vote of the city council, not by a plebiscite. They're your rights. No human being can take them. No collection of human beings can take them. No government can take them. They belong to you. That's capitalism, too. That's why capitalism works. Capitalism isn't created by government. Capitalism just is. It's commerce. Voluntary decision-making. Well, you know what? Everybody gets screwed. No, they don't. No, they don't. Look around you. I was in this uh, supermarket called Wegmans today. Man, you better, uh, you better take your vitamins before you go in there. It is big. It's like a football field. And I went in there to get some sliced turkey. Not for me, but for Barney. Barney's not feeling well, so I get him plain turkey. Just a little bit to give him. There you go. That's America. In North Korea, they eat dogs. In America, we feed dogs. See the difference? Anyway, so... See, I need, I need plain turkey. Well, you want this one, the smoked one, the, the low-sodium one. This was 99% fat-free. This one's 93% fat-free. Holy mackerel. Just turkey. They say, oh, we have one named Just Turkey. Well, give me that one. My wife sends me off the other day, before the snow, to get um, ground turkey. Never had so much turkey in my life, but I like it. It's fine to get ground turkey. Go there. There's 99% fat-free, 98% fat-free, 97%. How do they know? 97%, 94%, 89%, 83%, Only in America. And then we hear all the... Well, you know, America sucks. You know, the economy doesn't work. This doesn't work. People in this country can't. Are we out of our minds? Stop listening to these propagandists on the right and the left. Economic populism will destroy your economy. And so will democratic socialists. So I have a question that Chuck Todd and Jake Tapper should ask these politicians because they won't come on my Fox show. They won't come on my radio show. 
How exactly would you prevent us from becoming like Venezuela when you attack the very constitutional system that prevents us from becoming like Venezuela? And by the way, Beto, we don't want to see your teeth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One hundred and seventy-five years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its hundred and seventy-fifth year, but in all of that time, it still holds the same principles since eighteen forty-four. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism. Not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. I don't doubt that for a minute before we were all here. Go ahead. So prepared in advance for something happening. You're such that- a fraud. Complete demagogue. Complete demagogue. By the way, the Secret Service is under DHS, my buddy informed me. Yes, he's right. Thank you. What do you think? Do you think the Secret Service would say, yeah, we can protect the president? you think the Capitol Police would say, yeah, we can protect the president? You bet they would. What do you think DHS would say overall? They've already said. We have a solid plan in place. We can do it. But Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi has decided in the Speaker's office, surrounded by her flunkies and sycophants, uh, that this is better. It's political. Just remember, this is a good test. Every single thing that she and her comrades do is intended to damage the president. Even if it damages the country. Even if it damages the House of Representatives. Even if it damages the presidency. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter at all. Remember where she's from. Remember who she is. Remember she rammed Obamacare down our throats. You have to pass it to see what's in it. (laughs) She's fascistic. Hello! She's fascistic. That's a fact. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now a challenge to the so-called conservatives out there. Whether they write for websites, newspapers, magazines, whether they are colleagues in talk radio, whether they have cable programs or appear on cable programs. If you agree with me, What Nancy Pelosi has done here when it comes to the State of the Union, first time in American history, and that her conduct is unbecoming a Speaker of the House, and that she's on a power trip, a power trip which undermines our constitutional order, where she's coming between us, the American people, and the President of the United States, whether you voted for him or not, making it Extremely difficult for him to give a State of the Union speech to the nation. Then there ought to be an effort, a movement, by Republicans in the House of Representatives to expel her. To expel her. Even though it will not succeed given the majority of Democrats. The case needs to be made. The fight needs to be taken to her. Enough is enough. I don't much give a damn what Sour Lemon on CNN has to say. I don't much give a damn what Chris Bozo on CNN has to say. I don't much give a damn what Fake Tapped Out has to say on CNN. Or any of the rest of them. The fact of the matter is that what's taking place here has never been done in American history by any other Speaker of the House while we've had presidents giving speeches, live speeches, in the House chamber. The House chamber does not belong to Nancy Pelosi. It does not belong to the Democratic leadership. It does not belong to the Democratic Party. That's our damn House of Representatives. All of ours. Whether it's Barack Obama, Bill Clinton... Whether it's Bush or Bush or Trump, we have a custom in this country, a tradition in this country for the last hundred years where presidents deliver a State of the Union speech in the House of Representatives. It's not because Nancy Pelosi has the power to stop him from giving a State of the Union speech. It's because she controls that chamber. So I am calling on the Republicans. If you have one ounce of guts left, one ounce of guts left, that you act to remove the Speaker of the House, even though it will not occur. That you show the American people who stands for what. And you make it abundantly clear that you're doing it on their behalf. That you are seeking to protect now the Constitution of the United States and the ability of a president of the United States to do what every single president before him over the last hundred years has done. I am sick and tired of this conga line of Democrats, this Chris Coons, this Chris Van Hollen, same schmucks, that's right, day in and day out. They don't think for themselves. They don't think for themselves. It's party first, baby. All of a sudden, everything they supported 15 years ago on the border, 
out the window. Every damn one of them. All of a sudden, open borders. All of a sudden, a wall is immoral. Not partial birth abortion. That's not immoral. A wall's immoral. A wall that protects the American people. A wall that protects people south of the border from coyotes, from kidnappers, from racists. Somehow that's immoral. We don't need lectures about morality from the Democratic Party. The party of slavery, the party of segregation, the party of Jim Crow. We don't need lectures from that damnable party. And we sure as hell don't need lectures from Nancy Pelosi. Who the hell is she? Nobody. That's number one. Number two, Mitch McConnell. Wake the hell up for once, will you? You invite the President of the United States to give his State of the Union in the Senate. There is nothing that says the Speaker of the House only gives the invitation. I'm saying something, and I want the backbenchers to repeat it. I know. Go with your plagiarism. But repeat it. The senators are invited. The Supreme Court members are invited. The heads of our military branches are invited. The ambassadors are invited. And only if there's room, and there won't be, then members of the House of Representatives. Otherwise, they can turn on their damn TV sets and watch it with everybody else. The Republicans control the Senate. Now wake the hell up. These are very, very treacherous times. You must meet force with the Constitution. Now something else happened today in the Senate. And 11 Republicans voted with Democrats. And these 11 Republicans think they're really doing the right thing. These 11 Republicans have no better idea what separation of powers means than the progressives. Our buddy at Wright's group, nearly a dozen Republicans voted with Democrats to stop Trump from lifting Russian sanctions. And here are their names. So Chuck Schumer puts up a bill, a resolution rather, that would have prevented the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, from delisting three companies associated with sanctioned oligarch Oleg Deripaska. Now, I'm not aware that the president's thinking of doing this, but it's a presidential power, not a congressional power. Foreign policy of a government is decided by the president with the assistance of Congress in terms of authorizations and appropriations. Foreign policy, foreign policy, this is a separation of powers issue. We cannot have Congress telling a president of the United States every time which companies to do this with, which individuals to do that with. That's not the intention. If there are major decisions by a president, war then Congress can declare war or Congress can fund it or not fund it. But the president will decide if three companies are sanctioned or delisted. We had this battle in the Iran-Contra case with the Boland Amendments where Congress passed these amendments trying to take control 
over how President Reagan ultimately would conduct foreign policy with respect to, among others, Nicaragua. Congress didn't have that power. They can't dictate to a president of the United States how he handles foreign policy. They have certain powers related to it. But they don't have the power in the United States Senate to tell a president of the United States which companies to list and delist to micromanage foreign policy. So who are the Republicans who voted for this? One of them claims to be a constitutionalist, Ben Sass. Marco Rubio, Richard Moran, appointed Senator Martha McSally, good job, Governor of Arizona, Kennedy of Louisiana, Hawley of Missouri, Gardner of Colorado, Danes of Montana, Carton of Ar- uh, Cotton of Arkansas, Collins of Maine, Boozman of Arkansas. They don't understand separation of powers any more than the left, apparently. Incredible. Whether the left or some of the others, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Look what's going on on Capitol Hill today. They can't secure the damn border. They can't properly fund the military. They can't cut the debt. They can't cut domestic spending. What the hell can they do? The Republicans are in control. We've had spending like never before. The Democrats are in control. They want up them. We are headed for a wall, ladies and gentlemen. Look at Nancy Pelosi. That's their leader. Do you think she can help this country in any effective or serious way? Help the country? She's a disaster. How about the Republican leadership? What are we getting out of Mitch McConnell? Or you know what? Be quiet. And Schumer. What a sleazeball. That's right, I said it. I didn't use MF. I called him a sleazeball. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Uh, you got to love the Democrats and the media. We want to settle down on the tone. They're concerned about the tone, you see. Only President Hitler and Stalin and fascistic and all the rest. They're concerned about the tone. Calling all of you stupid with no teeth and all that. They're concerned about the tone. If you ever watch Brian Stelter on the weekends on scene, of course not. He has no ratings. But some do just to monitor him. You know, it's like peeking through a, uh, a peak hole in an insane asylum, in a padded room. Instead of Jack Nicholas, you got. Uh, Brian Stelter there, eating his baby food, and it's dripping all over his chin and onto his bib. Ever see this fat slob Carl Bernstein? Got crap on his lip and in his nose and everything else. The producers must hate him because they should tell him in his ear, look, I don't know, what, what is that on your, your, your lip, for God's sakes? And, and in your nose? We don't want to know what it is, but we think you ought to fix it. And all during that interview with the Fat slob Carl Bernstein, the little fat slob, Brian Stelter's bobbing his head up and down like one of those, uh, you know, bobble dolls. Yes, 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 yes. And you see, he's a reporter 
And he said, oh, they're both reporters. Oh, yes. And uh, Chuck Todd, old Chuckles over there, Chuckles Todd, he, uh, he's the leading chief political correspondent. Did you know that? Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Oh, over at NBC News. And he's highly qualified for that because, um, well, he, he uh, supported Tom Harkin at one point. His wife's a big Democrat activist, but we're not allowed to we're not allowed to talk about that. Only uh, only Trump's children, only Trump's wife, you know. Otherwise, hands off. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, he's the guy who said, and we talked about it. Listen, there's climate change. I don't care what anybody else has to say. They're climate deniers. Period. So for now on, we will not allow them to be heard on my program. Wow. Very fascistic of him. Very despotic. So I looked at the guy's background. He has no background whatsoever. He took political science in college. He never graduated. That's fine. A lot of people do that. But then they don't go on TV, on national TV, and claim to know anything about climate change. He knows nothing. He has no experience, no background for anything. He's a leftist. And so he's... He's uh, at this event, the Practice of Journalism and Public Policy uh, uh, event, and he's going on he, uh, as personal attacks. <coughs> Excuse me, this was written up in the Duke Education uh, files. As personal attacks and distress rise against the media, journalists must commit to thorough reporting, transparency, and dispassionate coverage. Meet the press moderator, Chuck Todd, said Monday. I thought to myself, well, then resign. This work is urgent, the NBC News political director stressed. Every day I think about the crisis of 40% of the country thinking I'm making something up. Todd told a sizable crowd at Penn Pavilion. And the other 20% of the remaining 60% think you're an idiot, quite frankly. Todd came to Duke for the 2019 Ewing Lecture on Ethics and Media, hosted by DeWitt Wallace Center for Media and Democracy. Bill Adair, Knight Professor for the Practice of Journalism and Public Policy, interview Todd about the struggles of modern political journalism, from navigating a relationship with the president who both attacks and, Todd said, seeks elusive gratification. Now, you know, right there. Seeks elusive gratification. That's Obama. From the media to trying to convince more than a third of the country that is skeptical you're telling the truth. But you're not telling the truth a lot of the time. Todd said figuring out where to set the dial on coverage of President Trump, such as when to tune in or out of the president's social media messaging, is the hardest thing we're dealing with. Now, that's not the hardest thing you're dealing with. You know what the hardest thing you're dealing with? Truth. Facts. News. If that's what you were dealing with, it wouldn't be so hard. But that's not what you're dealing with. We simultaneously overreact and underreact to Trump on a daily basis, he said, pointing out the difficulty in determining what content from gossipy presidential tweets to updates on the special counsel investigation into 2016 election interference matters most. President's attack on the media also put individual reporters in a difficult position, said Todd. You know, I've been repeating now for several months and the backbenchers are starting to regurgitate it. Trump hasn't done anything to the media. Not a damn thing. He's not Obama. And I've gone through the history of this with you many times, and I'm not going to do it again. But 
Trump hasn't done anything to the media. Target, uh, Todd, the target of more than 20 negative Trump tweets. Oh, my goodness. How's he holding up, Todd? Is he okay? Told the story of one moment when he was in the president's crosshairs. He said he was eating a burger at a restaurant on a Saturday. Oh, apparently he's not an Orthodox Jew. I'm just saying. When his daughter scrolled through social media and told him the president had called him an SOB. Hey, Chuck, uh, let me tell you, is that your toughest example right there? How about when your kid goes on a website? On a website. And your father's called everything humanly, unhumanly possible. How about when your kid goes on the Wikipedia? Which is supposed to be a legitimate site. And looks up your name. And every left-wing attack imaginable is put on that page as if it's true. What about that, uh, Chuck? Have you ever been through any of that stuff? Now, all of us have had threats on our lives. I certainly have. How about that, Chuck? So stop crying in your cereal. Todd said he does his best to react by compartmentalizing the vulgar comment and disassociating his emotions. Well, you failed. So he says what they really need to do is be more transparent. I'm paraphrasing because I'm not going to read the whole damn thing. They need to really stick with the, the facts and the issues. The problem in part, you see, is that the Republicans and Fox have picked up the Richard Nixon political survival technique, and so has Trump, you know, which has attacked the press. You are a dumb, dumb guy. A really dumb guy. Presidents have been attacking the press since day one. George Washington, John Adams really attacked the press. He locked up journalists. Thomas Jefferson. Part of the problem, Chuck, is you and your crowd are ignoramuses. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Do you know, Mr. Producer, there was some study done that was published by Oxford I guess the university, 
where two leftist professors were looking at broadcasting. The top ten broadcasters, I think they said, something like that. I have to find this thing. You have to actually pay for it to read it. And I found out about this because somebody told me it's on Wikipedia. This is what I mean. It's just a nasty, nasty operation over there. That I am the most incendiary broadcaster in America. Based on what? By telling the truth? By talking about the Constitution? Liberty? Individualism? The Declaration of Independence? Philosophy? History? Economics? By taking on the Democrats, using some of the same language that they use? It's amazing. If I were a liberal, ladies and gentlemen, they'd be holding parades for me daily. Football players would be taking knees in my honor. But I am a constitutional conservative, and I call them as I see them. You know what's smart? Kicking off 2019 by planning out which roles your business needs to hire for. You know what else is smart? Starting the new year off strong by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin to hire the right people. Now, by now, you should know how to spell Levin. In Philadelphia, we pronounce it Levin. In a lot of places, New York, it's Levin, but Levin, L-E-V-I-N. And by the way, Mark is pronounced Mark. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. It's powerful matching technology. Scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience, and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Now, that's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from the hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's you at this exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. Now, if you love this show, well, I know you do, then take a shot at this. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm going to tell you a little story. I like to do this from time to time, don't I? It's like old-time radio with new-time ideas. I do a lot of research. I've been working on my new book. I write this book till 3 or 4 in the morning. That's the truth. And then I get up at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. And people say, how do you do it? I say, I don't know. I just do it. I mean, it's like being uh, uh, Michael Avanti or whatever his name. What was the guy's name? He's not on the, in the media anymore. The porn lawyer? Avenetti. Avenetti. That guy was on 24-7 on TV. This is a piece from the Daily Beast. And Chuck Todd, I know you're listening. I know you all listen. And this was from May 14, 2012. It gives you a little insight into how big media work in these powerful, famous, so-called journalists. So I'm going to tell you the story, which means it's not going to be three minutes long. I'm not going to race through it like I'm a verbal uh, sprinter. We'll take our time. In April 1974, writes Jeff Himmel- Himmelman, if, and he was a reporter, A few months before President Nixon resigned, Ben Bradley, the executive editor of the Washington Post, gave one of the most thoughtful speeches of his life. In it, he talked about the fact that journalism is produced in an adversary environment where the goals of the reported inherently conflict with the goals of the reporter and the reader. Now, you see, so these journalists are always talking about 
what journalism is, at least in theory. And, of course, they're the great heroes and they're the great patriots in every story. During the past two weeks, he says, my former boss, Bob Woodward, so he was working for Bob Woodward, who worked for Bradley, has compared me to Richard Nixon, referred to me in the pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times as dishonest, and generally attempted to discredit me in my authorized biography of Bradley, Yours in Truth, which was released by Random House last Tuesday. Remember, this is back in 2012. The prevailing narrative in nearly every description of my work thus far, much of which has been influenced by Bob Woodward, is that I betrayed my former mentor, that is uh, both Woodward and Bradley, to write a cheap tell-all. The New York Times, in a style section piece published Sunday, compares my book, a 473-page deeply researched portrait of Bradley, to the novel The Devil Wears Prada. Now, Bob Woodward and others are after me not because I violated agreements or published things I didn't have approval to publish, but because of where the story led me and what I felt obligated to report. In 2000, in a dedication to his book Maestro, which I helped to report and write, Woodward wrote of me, quote, his standards of accuracy and fairness are the absolute highest. No one ever did more or better in the crucible of book writing. Now, those standards haven't changed. It's just that I uncovered some information that Bob Woodward happens not to like, and he's doing everything he can to distract attention from it. If there is any lesson that Ben Bradley taught me in the four years I spent working with and studying him, it is the powerful people rarely welcome the truth and will often go to great lengths to keep it from coming out. Ben dealt with that throughout his career, and I'm seeing it firsthand right now. Let's address this betrayal this betrayal narrative head-on. Bob Woodward was my full-time boss from 1999 to 2002. Sorry. In 2007, when I was back helping him out for a few months, he introduced me to Ben Bradley and his wife Sally Quinn for a possible book project of Ben's. 2008, I co-authored a book with Sally's son, Quinn. And in that same year, Ben and Sally gave me permission to write a book about Ben with no strings attached. In 2010, while digging through some newly arrived boxes from Ben's archives, listen to this, this is key, I came across an interview that Ben had done in 1990. In it, when asked about Bob's depiction of his relationship with Deep Throat, the garage meetings, the flag in the flower pot, Ben had said, among other things, quote, here's the quote, there's a residual fear in my soul that this isn't quite straight, unquote. In other words, he didn't really believe the garage meetings and the flag and the power and the flower pot stuff. For the editor of the Washington Post during Watergate to have these kinds of doubts in 1990, while he was still the executive editor of the paper, deserved further exploration. So I brought Bradley's comments in a follow-up interview that I, uh, I I brought Bradley's comments in a follow-up interview that I conducted about them with Ben in 2010 to Woodward's house in March of last year, that would be 2011, to get his re- reaction. Four days later, as I recounted the book, Woodward came to Bradley's house and made an impassioned plea, first to Ben and then to me, to leave that material out of my book. Bob, the champion of free speech, Woodward, and a reporter's right to report the truth, directly commanded me not to use material that he thought might make him look bad. Don't use the quotes, Jeff. Why? Because doing so would, as he said, give fodder to the effers out there. Oh. Maybe Wikipedia will put that in there. 
I was faced with a choice. Obey my former boss and ignore a historically relevant comment made by the subject of my book purely to please Woodward or stick to my reporting. Any journalist knows that this is not actually a choice. When I asked Bradley, Ben Bradley, about it again in the wake of Bob's reaction, Ben stood by his comment from 1990 and repeatedly expressed his support of my decision to report it. With the caveat that he was only doubting some of the Hollywood aspects of the portrayal of Deep Throat, not the reporting that went into the Washington Post. The second reason I think Woodward has decided to come after me, and the only reason he has given me for why he is calling my reporting dishonest, listen to this, listen, is that I did not bring the grand juror memo to him, the grand juror memo to him and to Carl Bernstein for comment before I finished writing my book. In the course of my research, I discovered evidence that Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward had conducted an interview with a Watergate grand jury. In other words, they would have pierced the veil of the grand jury. This is an allegation they have consistently denied. As recently as last year, that would be 2011, Woodward told a crowd at the Pointer Institute, an educational organization for journalists, that he and Carl got nothing from grand jurors. But the memo written by Carl was dispositive. Such quotes as, of course, I was on the grand jury, unquote, appear on the memo's first page. I did not need Carl or Bob to tell me what I was looking at. I brought the memo to Ben Bradley, the subject of my book. Let's not forget. And he listed his reaction to the memo and the penetration of the grand jury, which I included in yours in truth. In a letter published in response to the excerpt in New York Magazine, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward do not challenge the accuracy of my reporting about the grand jury penetration, only its historical weight. An additional aspect of the so-called betrayal narrative hinges on some of the personal details I include in the book. So forth. Let's see, anything else here? This is the danger of writing about powerful living people, he says. Nobody has alleged that anything I've written is untrue. They can't. So instead, they're trying to impugn me and my motives. My motive has always been to write the best, truest, and most thorough portrait of Ben Bradley that I could muster. Did the best I could at that front. But this was biography. And for me to ignore depth and difficulty, the fact that Ben's life wasn't always perfect would have been a com- to commit a lie of omission that I could not score with my obligation to tell the truth. It's been a hard couple of weeks, and he goes on. You see, Chuck Todd, I think this goes on all the time. I think many of you repeaters are liars, reporters are liars by omission and commission. I think you have a lot of friendships, politics, and in government, and you treat your friends one way, and their enemies another way. And I've seen this in the media. I've seen this in the media. It's a disgrace. Bob Woodward continues to write his books. He's enormously wealthy from writing his books. Publishers want to write his books or or publish his books. He's on TV. He was often. He's considered an iconic journalist. His uh, partner, Carl Bernstein, who is a leftist, who is uh, somebody, if you read about his personal life, is really a pig and a slob, much like Jeffrey Tubin, among others. 
And they have no problem with that. So when Bernstein goes on, they're trashing the president of the United States. And Woodward writes the book that he writes. Of course people want to know how can it possibly be true. Because here's Woodward trying to censor. A former colleague of his who reported to him about a document that provides unequivocally that they penetrated the grand jury in, Water, in uh, Watergate and that Ben Bradley didn't believe the, the BS story about meeting in a garage and the flower pot. Right, Mr. Tapper? The golden age of journalism. Right, Mr. Lemon? Sour Lemon? Right, Chris Bozo? Free press, they say. Freedom of the press. We have freedom of the press. No thanks to these people. No thanks to them at all. You can thank the founding fathers for freedom of the press. You know many of the white slave owners? You can thank them. You can thank the men who wrote the Declaration of Independence and the men who subsequently wrote, adopted, ratified the Constitution of the United States that these people on the left, whether they be in the media, academia, or in the Democrat Party or some of the Republican Party, seek to eviscerate. We have a freedom of the press. No thanks to Chuck Todd. No thanks to Bob Woodward. Thanks to those men and women in uniform, some of whom are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and so forth, who are fighting our wars. Not these fools who go to some seminar and lie about who they are and what they do. The reason the American people don't respect so many of you is because you don't deserve it. The American people are not stupid. It's because you're not credible. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I love Car Shield. I have Car Shield. I want you to get Car Shield too. When it comes to costly car repairs, you need options. Instead, you're often stuck bargain hunting for the best deal because who can afford to fork over $1,000 for a repair? You can't put a price on your family's safety and security on the road. That's why I have extended vehicle protection from CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. Now, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance in a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Now, if your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to, listen to this, $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection, like we did. Call 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com. Carshield.com. Use code LEVIN and you'll save 10%. That's a lot of money. It's a good discount. That's carshield.com. Code LEVIN or call 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. Now, One of the things I try to do here, and I only mention this two or three times a year, but as little as I can, because I don't want to give the whole secret away to our adversaries. I try to push the national agenda. Maybe I succeed, maybe I don't. I have a big head, but I know 
that people repeat what I say on radio and TV. And you know how it irritates me. But people tell me, don't let it irritate you because it helps push the national agenda. Today as I speak, not a single member of the House of Representatives, not a single member of the United States Senate, has gone to the floor and called out the anti-Semites in the Democrat Party. Not one. They are bigots. They are bigots. Not one has been called out. I will continue to put the pressure on because this has to be exposed. It is a growing cancer in our country, on our college campuses. It's a growing cancer in our media that hire anti-Semites like CNN and MSNBC, quite frankly. And it's a growing cancer in the Democrat Party. And I'm going to continue to call it out. And all the others in talk radio, you do it too. Pat yourselves on the head, but let's get it done. This is a civil rights issue. I also try to move the issues to the edges. I don't mean extremism. I don't mean radicalism. But as today, when Nancy Pelosi comes out and undermines the Constitution and does what she does with the State of the Union speech that no speaker in American history, certainly, you know, during the times, 100 years that we've had presidents come to the House of Representatives, no speaker has done that, Democrat, Republican, no matter who the president is. They didn't even do that to Nixon. Well, then it's time to have an alternative. The State of the Union speech should continue, but from the United States Senate. That's exactly what should happen. Nancy Pelosi should be expelled for undermining the Constitution and trying to destroy another tradition. Nobody's going to take her on but me. Or, now that I'm the point of the spear, maybe some of the backbenchers will join too. So just so you know how I operate, I don't just sit here and go through websites and 14 different issues. There are issues that are important out there, on websites and elsewhere, no question about it. But it's what you do with your three hours. I'm giving you just a little backstory on how this works, at least on my show. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I admire Tucker Carlson and so many of the other hosts at Fox. Some I don't, but most I do. And uh, he was talking about a pivot point. We talked about this with uh, Robert Francis Beto O'Dork and his questioning whether the Constitution is still relevant. It's a pivot point. I just want to make the point, this has actually been going on for over 100 years. If you really do understand progressivism, Beto O'Dork is just repeating the position of Woodrow Wilson. He's repeating the position of Franklin Roosevelt. He's repeating the position of John Dewey. They all wrote about this. They all talked about it. This has been their project for a century or more. And it's important to understand that. It's important to understand that these men attacked the Declaration of Independence. They attacked the Constitution of the United States. I've read this to you. Those of you who have the book, you've read it for yourselves. I would encourage everybody to familiarize themselves with John Dewey, Herbert Crowley, and there are others that you should familiarize yourself with because these are the these are the founding fathers, if you will, of the movement, this force that seeks to destroy this country from within. From within. Herbert Crowley, 1869 to 1930. He co-founded the New Republic. He authored The Promise of American Life in 1909. Extremely influential in turning Theodore Roosevelt into a progressive. Told you about John Dewey in the past. Very, very important to know about these men. That's why I have them in the book. I'm not hawking this book. I'm writing another book. I've moved on. But you should not move on. I don't mean from the book. I mean from knowledge. And the progressives have had an enormous effect, not just on the Democrat Party, but the Republican Party. Beto O'Dork is a Wilsonian. He's a Wilsonian. He rejects the Constitution. He was inarticulate about it. And he'll want to, I'm sure, take a few steps back. But so is Nancy Pelosi. Now, they don't know much about Woodrow Wilson or Herbert Crowley or John Dewey or Weill or the rest of them. But you do. This is where it comes from. So it's not a pivot point, what O'Dork had to say. It's more the same. It's pile on top of pile, generation on top of generation of these progressives. Now, where do these progressives get their ideas from? Well, Dewey was very sympathetic to the communist revolution in the early part of the last century. Now, as it came to take power over a course of time, it became obviously openly uh, genocidal. Then they try to step back from it. There was Walter Weill, 1873 to 1919. And he wrote a book that was famous back then called The New Democracy. Had an enormous effect. Trashing the Declaration and the Constitution. It's important to understand this, in my opinion. The pivot point already took place. The problem is the modern Democrat Party 
the modern Democrat Party, is the bastard child of this ideology. Now, where did these men, where did these men get their ideas from? They didn't just create them. They got their ideas from Karl Marx. They were familiar with Karl Marx. They got their ideas from Hegel. No, not the idiot who was Secretary of Defense under Obama. No, Hegel, who basically wrote excuses for Prussia and the empire there, thinking that, you know, basically the community, the community is where each and every one of us get our, uh, get our fulfillment. And Marx thought Hegel was brilliant, but he took it one step further, and Hegel talked about historicism, I'm not going to get too much in the weeds. And Marx talked about material historicism. He saw everything as a factor of a reaction to materialism. Hegel had a different approach. And um, this is where they get their ideas from. They may not know this is where they get their ideas from, but they embrace them. Now, these are alien concepts. These are alien ideologies that have been imported into the United States by a small minority of intellectuals who were reacting against the Industrial Revolution. They were attacking capitalism, just as many populists do today. And the leftists, of course, attacking capitalism. They were attacking private property rights. They were attacking individualism. Liberty and individualism can only be really experienced through the community, through the better good, through the government. Everybody going in their own direction, that's problematic. And now you can see why they are control freaks. You had Rousseau. Rousseau contended that the way around the desolation of the individual is through the state. He was a very, in some ways, mentally sick man. And I don't say that to be pejorative. I'm saying it because he was. It's not enough to say, to criticize, excuse me, not enough to say to the citizens, be good. They must taught to be good. Love of country is the most effective. For as I have already said, every man is virtuous when his private will is in conformity with the general will in all things. In all things. Well, that's a police state, isn't it? It comes to government. Rousseau argued that the legislative power belongs to the people, but the supreme administration or the executive, which carries out governmental administration, does not belong to the people for its task, albeit important, is nothing more than ministerial. In other words, you go over there, you live over here, you get that benefit, you have to remove this, you have to, that's just a ministerial task. Legislature and no legislature. Right? These things get can be complicated, but they're fascinating too. But if you understand them, you understand what's happening to your country. Hegel lived from 1770 to 18... Am I boring everyone, Mr. Producer? He lived from 1870 to 1831. Great sway over Marx and Engels. And uh, American progressives, Crowley, Wilson, Dewey, Weil, others. And he provided the most detailed exposition of what was known in the period as German 
idealism. Now, Mr. O'Dork may not know that he is promoting German idealism. You and I want the promotion of Americanism. And he was prolific, enormously influential, particularly with uh, with the Prussian uh, oligarchy, monarchy. And he's legendary for, among other things, developing the philosophy of historical progress. So, just let me give you a, a very thumbnail sketch on this. He argued that he is not inventing a new philosophy, but describing existing reality. Isn't that clever? Look, I'm not describing a philosophy. I'm just telling you what's happening. It's a matter of history, and there's no way to stop it. It's the progression of history. Now, what's fascinating about this, on the one hand, they argue about the progression of history, and on the other hand, they reject history. Because knowing what happened in the past is of no consequence, they argue. So the history of the world is said to be progress toward conscious freedom and a state of harmony. Conscious freedom for the people as a whole, a state of harmony for the people as a whole. Some societies are stuck in their own history. Now listen, doesn't this sound like Beto O'Dork? Some societies are stuck in their own history, he wrote. And others progress over time. But the trajectory of history, generally, is toward the ideal state. The emeritopia. The ideal state. The method of individual and societal progress involves a dialectic process. Some reasoned, some unconscious in which opposites are in a constant state of conflict, synthesizing into ever higher truths, this is me summarizing, which eventually lead to a fully developed state. The final end is what Hegel called it, the final end. That which appears irrational in a state will eventually be brought into harmony. And this, contended Hegel, is the fact of human history and evolution. The state, which is the realized substantive will of the people, having its reality in the particular self-consciousness raised to the plane of the universal, is absolutely rational. This is Hegel. This substantive unity is its own motive, an absolute end. In this end, freedom attains its highest right. This end has the highest right over the individual whose highest duty, in turn, is to be a member of the state. So the individual is again subservient to the state, even though they talk about the people, the people. For the state can never attain the lofty utopian heights devised by Hegel, and the individual will never be adequate to the cause. Meanwhile, the individual's independence and free will are absorbed by the state in the name of community and the general welfare. And I go on and I won't go on now. So this pivot point, ladies and gentlemen, didn't occur with Beto O'Dork in the Washington Post interview. Maybe it's his pivot point, that is O'Dork's. This is the ideology, and there's much more to it. This is the ideology that is embraced by the progressives. And this is the ideology that's being imposed upon you by unelected branches and elected branches at the same time. So you can understand how furious they are whether they actually understand their history or not is inconsequential. It's important that you understand it. This is why they hate Trump. This is why they hated Reagan. Frankly, this is why they hated Nixon. 
You're getting in the way, ladies and gentlemen, with your votes. You're getting in the way of the perfect society. You're getting in the way of the perfection of the human being. Forget about God. Forget about the founding fathers. Forget about these old dusty documents. That was then. This is now. We're realists. We're rationalists. We believe in modernity. History is only useful to the extent we know what we're changing from. We can't learn much from history. So this whole constitution, with separation of powers and limited government, and a weak judiciary, it doesn't work. And just as a revolution was fought, a declaration was well, proclaimed, the Constitution was eventually settled on, that was that generation. That was a Revolutionary War generation. We're our generation, as they put it, 230-some years later. And we get to decide what kind of life we want to live under what kind of government and circumstances. Founding government, no founding government. It's inconsequential. The phrase, the phrase that O'Dork used in that interview, the most important phrase was sweeping change. Sweeping changes. The way the government works, we can't make sweeping changes. That's what should be frightening. Because that's what they're all about. Unmoored from the Constitution. Making sweeping changes. And this is all old stuff, folks. One society after another, human beings have experienced hell, poverty on earth. Hell, poverty on earth. With this ideology, it's got different tributaries, but it's essentially the same. That's what progressivism is. That's what Beto O'Dork believes in. That's what Nancy Baloney believes in. That's what Schmucky Schumer believes in. Whether or not they understand the philosophers behind it or the intellectuals behind it, that's where they're driving us. That's why they question the Constitution. They wave it around. They swear to uphold it. They have no intention of upholding it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pittsburgh is a great town. It really is. Great teams, too. It's a relatively small city. Four teams, Mr. Producer. Big scoring teams are left in the playoffs. Football, for those of you who are unaware. Now, my Eagles, they kind of blew it. And I don't blame Jeffries. I mean, they kind of blew it. 14 points, and that was it. I thought they were going to run away with it. My other team, the Redskins... There was no way they could get anywhere. They had so many injuries. You know, you're a quarterback number four or five. They get some of them back healthy and so forth. I think they're going to be pretty good. But I, I'm watching it a lot now, a lot more than I did, because I'm not seeing all these knees being taken and so forth. But it's going to be very interesting, all these high-scoring teams, I think. And New England's back in it. Everybody hates New England who doesn't live in New England. But you got to give them points. I mean, that team is always in there. Whether they win in the end or not is another question, but they're always in there. 
It's the team the rest of the country likes to hate because I think, frankly, we're jealous of them. Just my opinion. By the way, so the UFC, not the pay-per-view part, but the free part, has moved from Fox Sports to ESPN. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? Now, I'm obsessed with the UFC. I mean, there was a time several years ago when I watched six hours of reruns in a row. That tells you how much. I, don't, I wouldn't do it again, but I did. And I remember when they used to fight outside, and they had the fences and relatively small forums and so forth. It's just something I've always enjoyed watching. Now I have to turn my head and cringe from time to time. And a lot of these fighters, <coughs> excuse me, they're college graduates, and even if they're not, they're very articulate, they're very smart. I don't want to give these sickening slip-and-fall lawyers any ideas out there, but I... We'll see how it goes in the next 10 or 20 years in terms of health. So they're picked up by ESPN, aren't they? I think ESPN requires you to pay a monthly fee. I think that's what I saw today. That ESPN requires you to pay a monthly fee in order to see the non-pay-per-view UFC. I'm not paying ESPN one damn penny. Not a penny. The management there is so screwed up, so left-wing, they're losing subscribers left and right. Left and right. Now, it's it's too bad because I like watching a number of shows. I like watching First Take. I like watching my buddy Stephen A. Smith. There are others there. A couple of former linemen today I thought were terrific. I can't watch it all day, obviously. I'm just doing it when I'm working out with my buddy Justin, who's my exercise expert my wife she wants me to live you think of that i mean they have a lot but it's the executives that i detest so i'm not paying one cent i'll be right back breaking news FBI man wanted to attack White House with anti-tank rocket. The Associated Depressed, a Georgia man who had detailed plans to use an anti-tank rocket to storm into the White House, was arrested in a sting Wednesday after he traded his car for guns and explosives, authorities said. Hashar Jala Tahib, hmm. 21 of coming was arrested today and is charged with attempting to damage or destroy a building owned by the United States using fire or an explosive, U.S. Attorney Boyung B. Bajak Pak said. Wasn't immediately clear whether Tahib had an attorney who could comment on the allegations. Yeah, like we care. A local law enforcement agency contacted the FBI in March after getting a tip from someone who said Tahib had become radicalized, changed his name, and planned to travel abroad according to an FBI agent's affidavit filed in court. The affidavit says Tahib told a confidential FBI source in October that he planned to travel abroad for Hijra, which the agent wrote refers to traveling to territory controlled by the Islamic State. Because he didn't have a passport, he couldn't travel abroad, told the FBI source that he wanted to carry out an attack in the United States against the White House and the Statue of Liberty. He met with undercover agents 
and the FBI sourced multiple times last month and was also in frequent contact using an encrypted messaging application, the affidavit says. During one meeting with the agent and the source, Tahib advised that if they were to go to another country, they would be one of many. But if they stayed in the United States, they could do more damage, the affidavit says. Tahib explained that jihad was an obligation, that he wanted to do as much damage as possible, and that he expected to be a martyr, meaning he expected to die during the attack. In another meeting, he showed the undercover agent a hand-drawn diagram of the ground floor of the west wing of the White House and detailed a plan for attack, the affidavit says. He asked the undercover agent to obtain the weapons and explosives needed to carry out the attack, and they discussed selling or exchanging their cars to pay for them. Tahib told the undercover agent they needed a base where they could regroup and where he could record a video to motivate people. He stated he would be the narrator. Clips of oppressed Muslims would be shown, and American and Israeli flags would be burned in the background. Last week, Tahib told the undercover agent he wanted to pick up weapons this week and drive directly to Washington to carry out the attack. Tahib said they would approach the White House from the back road, causing a distraction for police and then would proceed into the White House using an anti-tank weapon to blow open a door and then take down as many people and do as much damage as possible. Tahib told the undercover agent he had never shot a gun but could learn easily and also said he had watched some videos of how grenades explode. Tahib met the FBI source and undercover agent today in a parking lot in Buford, that's Georgia, to exchange their cars for semi-automatic assault rifles, three explosive devices with remote detonators, and an anti-tank rocket. A second FBI source met them and inspected the vehicles, and a second FBI undercover agent arrived in a tractor trailer with weapons and explosives that had been rendered inert by the FBI. The undercover agent and Tahib talked about the guns, how to arm and detonate the explosives, and how to use the anti-tank racket. Tahib and the undercover agent and FBI source, whom he believed to be part of his group, turned over their car keys to the second confidential source, and then loaded the inert explosives and guns into a rental vehicle. Then, after they got into the car and closed the doors, agents arrested Tahib. All right. Kill the music. This can happen so quickly, so easily. And luckily, the feds were tipped off. The feds were tipped off. A jihadist wanted to attack the White House, meaning he wanted to attack President Trump in the White House. He hated America and he hated Israel. This always goes hand in hand. And I want to thank the hardworking men and women of the FBI, not the blithering, bloviating, left-wing kooks who ran it and some of whom still run it. I want to thank the hardworking men and women of the FBI for protecting us and protecting the president. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when will the Congress pass a resolution condemning the, mem- condemning the members in Congress who are convorting with individuals who embrace terrorism. That's a pretty strong statement. I talked about it at length last night. Others are starting to pick up on it. New York State Assemblyman, a Democrat, Dove, how do you pronounce his last name? Heiken, I'm sorry, uh, 
Mr. Assemblyman Dov Hyken on Twitter Wednesday. Cut nine. Or do I read it? Let's do cut nine. Go ahead. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who one of her first acts as a member of Congress is to accuse the Jewish people of due loyalty here in America, something that the enemies of the Jewish people going back to Nazi Germany and all over the world have used against the Jewish people. And who is her best friend? Who does she celebrate with? But Abbas Hamadiyya, who is a supporter of Hezbollah, a supporter of Hamas. I'm looking at his actual tweet. The supporter of two organizations dedicated to the destruction of the state of Israel, dedicated to the destruction of the Jewish people. One of his tweets, happy birthday to the most honorable Arab Muslim leader of our lifetime, he says. And of course, he has a picture of Nasrallah, who leads the fight to destroy the Jewish people. Let us remember that Hezbollah has been involved in attack upon American soldiers. This is a terrorist organization as defined, not just by the Trump administration, the Obama administration before. And this is who our new member of Congress associates with? On her first day, she associates with those who want to murder and maim and destroy the Jewish people and destroy the state of Israel. Who is speaking out? Who is standing up? Is it Nancy Pelosi? Does she have the guts? Does she have the courage to stand up regardless of any kind of politics? Is it maybe the showmare, the watcher of the Jewish people, the minority leader of the United States Senate? Or is it only when it's a Republican that Democrats speak out? Or is it only when it's President Trump that the Democratic Party is united to condemn any kind of racism or hatred? What about within the Democratic Party? Well, Assemblyman, I'm glad you were listening. Because I've been speaking out. And this is a serious problem in this country as it is in Europe. And once again, it is demonstrated by this this subhuman cockroach who wanted to attack the White House. That when they hate the United States, they hate Israel too. They view them as one and the same. Isn't that interesting? These two first ever women Muslims elected to the House, and this is all the media will say about them, not what they've said. Isn't it amazing that their attitude toward America and their attitude toward Israel is really the same? Same with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in her statements. Same with Louis Farrakhan in his statements. And the list is a long one. And then we have a fool like Nicole Wallace. They don't come much dumber, but there's a whole gaggle of them. And she is a Trump-hating Republican or former Republican who used to work in the John McCain campaign, and there are many of them. Like Stephen Schmidt, Stephen Schmuck, who I claim is a bigot too. Certainly in the way he dresses me. Nicole Wallace is now an MSNBC host. That's what they hire over at MSNBC. These were pubics. 
And in talking about Steve King, Congressman Steve King from Iowa, I want you to listen to what she said. Hat tip newsbusters. Go ahead. Part of the problem is we, we think th- this does not have a parallel on the left. They're just, they're just, it, it doesn't. There isn't. There isn't a strain of racism on the left. I yes, there is more than a strain of racism on the left, if you understand what racism means. Hitler viewed the Jewish people as a race. Many people do, including many Jews. And it was a race he wanted to wipe out. The statements that are made on MSNBC by certain guests, the use of the name Hitler, neo-Nazis and Nazis, on that cable channel as well as CNN, dumbing down what took place in the Holocaust in order to score points against the President of the United States, invigorates the nutjobs. Now what the Associated Press piece doesn't say, they talk about this guy wanting to attack the White House and kill as many people as he could. Who's in the White House? Why didn't they mention President Trump is in the White House? This subhuman cockroach wanted to attack the White House, and I suspect he wanted to attack the president. And the Democrats feed right into this with their harsh language. If somebody's Hitler, they need to die. If somebody's Stalin, they need to die. When you enrage people day in and day out, Don Lemon, calling the president and the people who supported him racists or white supremacists, you're enraging people. You're lying to people. You're telling the big lie. You're a propagandist. CNN and MSNBC are filled with people like this. Anchors and hosts. So-called newsmen like Jim Acosta. Allison Camerata. The things they say about this president, the people they allow on these programs, the people who they hire as journalists. They talk about the tone. Let me tell you something, Mr. Todd. You're out of control. Your network's out of control. The media are out of control. It is at the lowest level ever. That's why 40%, you say? I think it's more. The media's ratings are in the toilet. They're in the single digits or the low double digits. It's not 40% who don't trust you. It's the nation that doesn't trust you. You live in your bubble. You don't realize it. This is what we... Every time you go online or use public Wi-Fi, you know, you're putting your personal information in danger. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords or credit card information in seconds. These hacks happen millions of times a day. The victims have their personal information exposed or identity stolen. Ladies and gentlemen, protect yourself. You see what's going on. The software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. This is why I'm the first person on radio to bring it to you. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all of your data online. That means nobody, nobody can see what you do on the Internet, not even government spy agencies like the NSA. Now, the ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. Then you click a button and poof, you're protected. It's that simple. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. That's it. Expressvpn 
com slash mark. And in addition, you'll get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. That's ExpressVPN, excuse me, ExpressVPN.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Keep your information private and confidential. ExpressVPN.com slash mark. Get it now. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College, ladies and gentlemen. 175 years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale entering its 175th year. But in all that time, it still holds the same principles since 1844. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way, and they're now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism, but not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale's my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington to helping establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. People often say to me, where would you start, Mark, if you're me and you want to get to know these things and learn these things? LevinforHillsdale.com, that's where I would start. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, that's Hillsdale College. LevinforHillsdale.com, start there. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, I've been watching this story all through the show to see if any more information had developed, and it had not. But I'm not going to end the show without mentioning it. Four Americans, ABC News, including two service members, one Department of Defense civilian and one contractor were killed in a bomb blast in Syria, the U.S. military confirmed, in the deadliest attack on the U.S. military since American troops went into Syria, and the first claim by ISIS. Ladies and gentlemen, our hearts go out to these four Americans who are in this hellhole. And I would tell Dick Durbin and the others, this is what an S-hole looks like, or a hellhole. You're not fooling anybody when you pretend otherwise. That's why you guys don't go there on vacation. You go to beaches in Puerto Rico. You don't go to hellholes. But our military from time to time does. And our hearts go out to these men and their families whose names are not known yet. So the families might even know who they are yet. Now, folks, I'm very supportive of the president, very supportive of his people, but I do not support this policy. ISIS attacked us because we announced that we're leaving, in part. That's when the enemy hits. That's when the enemy hits. They think they've weakened us. I don't blame anybody for this. I'm not one of these fools on CNN or MSNBC. I don't blame anyone for this. By that, I mean I blame the terrorists. But no one in our country, no policy decision or anything like that. This is a terrorist. It was a suicide bombing. It's a suicide bombing. And it's very sad. 
but we're not in Syria purely and solely for the Syrians, or as some people like to say, the Israelis. We're in Syria for us. For us. Iran will take over big chunks of that country. Iran is building ICBMs. You don't build ICBMs for the neighborhood. You build ICBMs to go over oceans and to hit your enemy far away from your own soil. When people say, that's 7,000 miles away, well, why do you think they're building ICBMs? Israel's not 7,000 miles away. France isn't 7,000 miles away. We are. That's the point. Lots of things happen 7,000 miles away that impact us. Like the plot on 9-11. It didn't happen in Camden, New Jersey. The plot was hatched in Afghanistan. I hope the administration will rethink this. And we pray for those who have perished. And we thank them and their families for the heroic defense of this country. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all the people who keep us safe on the border and everywhere else. Check out Levin TV. It is really great tonight, and I will see you tomorrow. Be well. Be well.